Made in the Trade, Episode 2, Transformers, Regeneration 1. My guest Adam and I will go off on Transformers lore, going into the cartoon history as well as the Marvel Comics history, which precedes the events in this trade, Transformers, Regeneration 1. Enjoy. Transformers Regeneration 1, a starting off point, picking up where the Marvel comic book series left off. I'm here with uh, Adam Bellis. Hello. uh, Also a big Transformers fan. We're we're both wearing the t-shirts. That's right. Um, So just to give you guys a little bit of a backstory, uh, we both know a lot about the cartoon series, uh, a little bit less about the comic book series, but I did read a little bit of it back in the 80s when they were still new. Hmm. Um, some important information you might need to know from the comic book series is uh, a couple things. One is there. it originally started out as a four-issue limited series, right? Okay. Um, and they realized that the popularity of the series was so great that they had to make it an ongoing series. So instead of just having the Autobots win at the end, they had Shockwave show up last minute, blow away every Autobot, and that's (laughs) how they ended issue four. That's how the, okay, the original four issues ended that way. Right. Originally, the Autobots had won. Uh, Sparkplug had contaminated the Decepticons' energy supply. And that was going to be the end. But then Shockwave shows up, blows away all the Autobots, and then issue five, Shockwave is now in command of the remaining Decepticons. Hmm. And only Ratchet is the functional Autobot because he was away on a, on, a, on another mission and he shows up and he's with uh, not Spike, but Buster. Buster is the human uh, Witwicky in the Marvel <laughs> comics. Okay. Uh, and then the Spike Witwicky is introduced because the character in the cartoon was so popular, they had to make Spike a part of Fortress Maximus. And once he's part of a toy, the comic book has to acknowledge the oh, existence yeah, of the character. You have to. So then they created a Spike Witwicky, which is what we are seeing in this comic book that we read regeneration one i like how all their human names are also good family pet names yes spike chip buster spark plug <laughs> well i wouldn't name a dog spark plug but <laughs> <laughs> and spark plug was actually a mechanic and not a um a roughneck oil worker like he was in the cartoon oh okay yeah okay so, well so that was actually more relevant a name mm-hmm. to have than <laughs> that's a good working point. on an oil drill hey <laughs> Hey, you're working with uh, flammable uh, <laughs> drilling supplies. Yeah. We, we'll name you a spark plug. Come on over here, Sparky. Yeah. Tighten down this well. Um, another thing also important is that uh, Spike Witwicky in this series is known as Circuit Smasher. Circuit Smasher. Now, there was a character introduced, I think, in issue seven or nine, uh, which was named Circuit Breaker. She was actually um, paralyzed by an attack uh, that was on an oil um, rig by Shockwave. Hmm. So ever since that day, she swore 
vengeance against all robots. Oh, was that the episode where Shockwave comes in as a gun? It was like this brand new oil rig with modern technology or something. Yeah. Did you read that? I, I have that issue. Oh, okay. So yeah. Yeah. That is so the was the, that the woman who controlled the rig yes, or yes okay it's the woman who came up with the um, weapons design right. of the rig and then she she gets yeah. paralyzed and yeah then later on stuff she, falls on her right and... so then she has these cybernetic attachments that she gets these powers that you see circuit smasher. Cir- circuit smasher yeah it's funny because I think. <laughs> the ideal name for this guy is Circuit Buster, which would incorporate <laughs> Buster Witwicky as well. I wonder right. if he's going to show up later on. He's like, I'm Circuit Buster, and all humans have <laughs> and then, cybernetic implants. And then out of nowhere, Megatron's Robo Smasher from oh, Cybertron. Yes. Right. Okay. It's a lot of smashing and robo circuitry. A quick recap of Cybertron's history is shown in a montage. Cut to a peaceful Cybertron, we then see a fortress in a seedy part of the planet. In that fortress, Soundwave is making a monotone speech to the lesser-known remaining Decepticons on Cybertron. Sounds like they're planning a revolt. Another montage, this time recapping the events from the first few issues of Transformers from 1984. Back to Cybertron. More specifically, Icon, the home city of the Autobots, where reclusive Autobot leader Optimus Prime sulks. The Autobot Cup is on to the Decepticon insurgents and warns Prime something big is about to go down. Prime dismisses it, warns any action will lead to more violence. Hot Rod will show you out. Hot Rod, once leader of the Autobots, is reduced to Doorman and leads Cup out the door. Cut to some images from Transformers issues 5, then 8, then others. Back to present-day Cybertron. The Decepticon Rebels strike out at the Autobots' communications bunker. They gain control over an anti-asteroid satellite. Soundwave re-aims the satellite at the Autobot's symbol of peace, known as the Last Autobot, and destroys it. Chapter 2. In response to the Decepticon raid, Cup and Springer want to reunite a ragtag group of Autobot rejects called the Wreckers. Meanwhile, Soundwave dispatches some deluxe Insecticons to assassinate the captured Decepticons from the recent raid. Boom! Dead! Enter the Wreckers. They dispatch the Insecticons with no effort and disarm the bomb that they planted. Later, Prime and Ultra Magnus have a meeting concerning the Wreckers' actions when Prime has a flashback to being killed by Unicron. Cup talks with Hot Rod about Grimlock not being able to transform due to Nucleon. Apparently, Hot Rod is apprenticing Optimus Prime to once again take over the Autobots. This time, however, we are witnessing a much less active Prime in charge. Soundwave receives a signal from Bludgeon saying he's also scheming. The plot thickens, another old Marvel Transformers reference. The Wreckers discover the ultimate wreck, Earth. It's been leveled by nuclear Armageddon. So is their ship! Boom! Who done it? Dun-dun-dun! Megatron. Megatron is now in command of undead Decepticons. Transformer zombies? I'm in. Classic favorites like Starscream, Astrotrain, and others help Megs find the wreckage of the Wreckers. 
check out the hood ornament on Megatron's war sled. It's an undead ratchet head. The Autobot, not the tool. The Wreckers, ejected just in time, are regrouping. Meanwhile, Grimlock, leader of the Dinobots, is seeking a cure to his inability to transform. He lost it when his toy became an action master. Er, I mean, Nucleon did this. On Cybertron, Ultra Magnus learns the Wreckers left the planet. Prime's gonna be ticked. Some of the Decepta zombies, my name, not theirs, spot the Wreckers and engage. Cup turns around in a valiant effort to hold them off. Unfortunately, he forgets about Skywarp's teleportation ability and gets shot in the back. Cup wakes up to find Megatron explaining his evil plan. He wants the Wreckers to call back home so Optimus Prime will come back to Earth so they can square off. Hey, that's what I want to see, so maybe I'm evil too. The Wreckers discover some living human life. With them is Spike Witwicky, now calling himself Circuit Smasher. Spike is a little miffed that the Transformers are responsible for ending the world, so he hates the Wreckers, but he's willing to dial back his hate. Apparently, someone looking to make a profit unearthed the Autobot ship the Ark and a Megatron lying in stasis. Megatron then took over the world by hacking into the military computers and detonating all the nukes of the world. Ouch. He then reactivated a bunch of dead Decepticons. This is odd, because it seems a bit outside of Megatron's tech savviness. Back on Cybertron, Prime is now learning Cup and the Wreckers stole a shuttlecraft and Megatron is alive on a destroyed Earth. Megatron calls out Prime. Oh, it's on now. Megatron also calls out the Wreckers by using Cup as his hostage. The Wreckers form a plan while Starscream struggles to speak. Yes, the old Starscream betrayal device. Prime and Ultra Magnus leave Cybertron, leaving a nervous hot rod alone on the planet with Decepticon rebels biding their time. Starscream brings down Springer, and Megatron has his fusion cannon at Springer's head. Stand away, Megatron. Now, says Optimus Prime. I told you it was on. Chapter 5. I mean it, Megatron. Let Springer go now. Whatever you say. Blast. Megatron just executed Springer. The following is an all-out beatdown. Everything you wished Optimus Prime did in the movie, he does here. Megatron gets in some serious licks, but Prime finishes Megatron off by ripping out his robot heart. Boom! Glorious! Worth the price of the book. The Wreckers disable Megatron's doomsday device that was going to launch even more warheads. Cup puts Ratchet out of his misery after Starscream manages to get the words kill Ratchet out. You see, Ratchet and Megatron shared the same body in the old Transformers series, and that's how Megatron was savvy enough to hack into NORAD and resurrect his old warriors. This volume ends with Grimlock being held captive by Scorponok, Galvatron being resurrected, and Bludgeon making moves against Cybertron. When one crazy leader dies, three take his place. Adam. Yeah. You read it. I did. What did you think of it overall? Like... Uh, okay, well, as you know, as you uh, as you pointed out, I'm more I was more of a cartoon follower than a comic. I'm actually new to the comics, right. so um, it was a little bit uh, a little bit weird the way they do this continual back referencing to other comics, mm -hmm. literally like an index, like see here in series eight, page thirty nine. You know, right. it's like, I okay, I just want to enjoy this. Can we do a standalone? And so you know, I mean, parts of it 
don't stand up on its own. But the parts, you know, but when you do get into a nice segment of, you know, in the now, in the story, it's awesome. It's, you know, you're seeing some characters do some cool things, some dark things, some very real, you know, real things. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, obviously, we don't, we're not concerned about spoilers on this, right? No, 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 no. So this is a review. You can spoil everything you like. Yeah. Like... Okay, Optimus Prime is one of my childhood heroes. Mm-hmm. So how come, you know, I mean, it was it was a bummer, but I actually enjoyed it in hindsight, the way he's just turned into this complete, you know, useless nanny on mm. Cybertron. Right. At least at first, you know. Yeah. So I don't know, it just sort of brought out this humanity in him. Like, no, nah, he's not always a hero. Sometimes he's mm. sometimes he's just a, a boring old, you know, nanny who doesn't, you know, a, a no action nanny. Mm. Um, so that was, you know, things like that uh, got me. And I, Well, and it's you also see the juxtaposition mm-hmm. like he's super pacifist. No, we're not going to antagonize the enemy at right. any cost. And then he does get pushed over the edge here and he just goes all out. I mean, yeah. you never see in the cartoon him getting this violent. No, no. This was like Roid Rage Prime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He just loses it, and yeah. him and Megatron, they go at it, and man, Megatron knows how to push his buttons. Yeah, he does. He's like, look, I, I destroyed the whole Earth. Yeah, that, that's kind of... <laughs> friends of yours, and I'm currently torturing your buddy Ratchet as that, we speak. Yeah, that's... He really... Megatron really kind of went overboard there. Yeah, um, yeah he definitely knew, uh, you know, after, how would he put it, eons of, you know, millions of years of pushing Optimus Prime's buttons, you mm-hmm. know, he finally just pushed them all he like m- made one greater button out of lesser buttons and right. pushed it <laughs> uh, it just set prime off it did um it, it's interesting that you you mentioned the uh, the footnotes references to the backstory because mm-hmm. what what it did to me is it drew me in it's like you know what i'm more interested now in this whole i i probably would never have wanted to pick up an issue 60 of the Marvel comic series or I agree. Yeah. You know, it's, it it introduced like this whole new world of stuff to me, which actually when I was reading comics for the first time, when the first Marvel series was coming out, Mm -hmm. uh, in the mid eighties, I felt like footnotes were really important back then because then you would be like, Oh, there's other stuff. And that's when comic book stores were still starting to grow and they were basically becoming libraries in their own right. Mm -hmm. Uh, you had reference material. You said, you know, read issue number 98. Okay. Well, I'm going to go and see if I can pick up issue 98 and then catch up on this backstory in any comic book. And today it's almost a a dead art. Like they just assume, well, you'll, you'll figure it out. Oh, so so they don't do anything. So back referencing is kind of... It's very rare today. No kidding. Okay. It's very rare Hmm. to see a footnote that refers to a specific issue these days, which is something that I kind of miss. So I actually found it refreshing seeing, oh, read issue, you know, nine or whatever in this story. And I think because it's IDW, I think, that is putting out this series, um, they now have the rights to the old Marvel Comics series. So I think they can release the old issues in trade and so because they're referring to old stuff, they are, in fact, helping their own circulation uh, do their sales. But I think it's it's really cool that they're resurrecting a continuity that's kind of been left for dead. Um, also, though, um, we're picking up at a at a, at a in a in such a way 
that it's not confusing for someone to just pick this up the, off the shelf and go, why is there a big engine on the front of Optimus Prime? Or why is this character's head removable and all this stuff? Like, they, right. they didn't make everyone Target Masters, Headmasters, and Power Masters in this. They've kind of reverted to their you know, original 1980s state. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that, that was refreshing. Yeah, yeah. So like it, it didn't it didn't it's not like, oh, you want to find out why Megatron's a green tank? Well, read this <laughs> issue. It's like, no, we'll, we'll just make it familiar to you and we'll still refer to old continuity, which I thought was really good because now you're reaching out to both people who have read the series and people who haven't. And I think that's really important. So, um. But uh, overall, like, I think this this was one of the better revisits of these old characters that I've seen. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually was uh, bummed out that I didn't ever read more about the Wreckers. Th- that seemed mm-hmm. like a whole thing. The only, oddly enough, the only reason I know about the Wreckers is because of Transformers Prime. Transformers. Oh, are they in that series? They're constantly referred to. Um, Bulkhead is one of the Wreckers. Oh, wait, you're right. Yep. Yeah. I totally forgot that. Yeah. Yes. And when Wheeljack visits, I think Wheeljack is a record too. As well. Yes. Oh, wow. So, so I only... that is an actual reference to the old Marvel comics because they were never mentioned in the Oh, no kidding. In okay. the cartoon. That's right. Yeah. I, not that I had ever re- remembered. So yeah. like, who are these wreckers? And so when I started reading this, you know, mm-hmm. th- this book we're reviewing, I th- I was like, okay, wreckers. I know that they're this, like this, you know, they're rag- the ragtag the, yeah, the, roughnecks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, in the comic book, and I had to research this myself, where um, I was finding they they int- they completely created the um, the character Rack and Ruin, mm-hmm. uh, the green character who they're connected at one arm, and right. then their other free arms are either a hammer or an anvil. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're cr- completely cr- created for that. But the rest of them are basically a bunch of the toys that you didn't want but everyone had <laughs> i had yeah <laughs> like top spin and twin twist <laughs> like they were records yeah um did sandstorm become a record a record i think he was at yeah. least in this in this what we just read I think yeah yeah he was yeah it. yeah i had sandstorm <laughs> there you go i think that's what they did was like these are really <laughs> commonly owned toys it's just like they they were what was left on the shelf right and parents were like well he likes transformers so <laughs> that's what wound up happening yeah there was never a rack and ruin toy but i bet parents would have bought this toy too because yeah it was the only one left um but yeah so these these characters were just the leftovers and they were uh, that's so funny though that they these were now Currently being used for Transformers Prime. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, interesting. and that's hot off the press. Very nice. So one of the things here is important, and, and I should have done this in the setup before the monologue of the review, uh, which is the relationship of Ratchet and Megatron. Yeah, there's, there's a, the whole backstory there that I, I, I missed until right. I caught some of this here so so go for it. And referred to in this story is the fact that they were merged for some reason there was some sort of a teleportation accident and they shared the same body that must have been embarrassing for both of them yes um and i think there was even a similar mercy killing in the series but preceding that mm-hmm. th- the reason why i brought up um, issues issues one through four are very important um, because of shockwave 
basically becoming the leader of the Decepticons and Megatron being a king without a country. Um, Megatron wants to regain his leadership of the Decepticons and Ratchet wants to regain the consciousness and camaraderie of the Autobots. They're all wiped out and he wants to reactivate them. So essentially you have several issues of the old series where Ratchet is going head to head with Megatron, each representing their both uh, sides of the uh, of the Cybertronian coin there. Uh, so at one point, Ratchet actually has to resuscitate the Dinobots, which were trapped in a tar pit somewhere. Irony. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's the, the the Marvel Comics origin of the Dinobots was somewhat different than the cartoon as well. Oh, what? what, what so the cartoon, you know, yeah. which Ratchet and uh, Wheeljack, they said, we're going to make a, a dinosaur robot. Yeah, because Bumblebee went to the Natural History Museum. Right, yeah. with Chip yeah. and Spike. And they're like, <laughs> no, we, we should make dinosaurs. Why not? It's Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. So in the comic book, when the arc was... Um, Going down, I think, and this is just memory, so you can Google it and disprove me, but I think that the Dinobots were on the Ark, as well as Shockwave, or, or something to that respect. They got reactivated way before the crew in the 1980s. They got reactivated actually during the prehistoric era. Wow. So, Shockwave and... The Dinobots would have it out in dinosaur era. Oh. And so when they, you know, had to scan the area for spare parts, mm-hmm. they just found dinosaurs and they repaired the Dinobots. And and a gamma gun? Sh- 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 well, and <laughs> Shockwave may have just flown in on his own or okay. something like that. Maybe he wasn't damaged in the wreck, but they went toe to toe and then I think the Dinobots knocked him out or and then shockwave buried him in the tar pit and then they would later get resuscitated in the 1980s and huzzah okay that's what wound up happening all right so um shockwave woke up first he blows away the autobots and then ratchet's like well these guys were able to to take on shockwave let's see if i can reactivate them so he reactivates them and they wind up taking on megatron which again is the whole another story but that's where you first introduce this antagonistic relationship between Ratchet and Megatron. Wow, which is interesting because in 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 the cartoon series, he's right. Ratchet's just hey, I'm a medic. That's it. That's it. And and he, he doesn't even really stick to a whole pacifistic line that he always sticks to in the comic books. Um, he's just yeah, he's like I'll, I'll fix you up. That's that's basically his gist. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in the cartoon, in the comic book. He's much more significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that here where they've got a history of being linked together. And now Megatron is just torturing him for, for all his worth. And it's a very sad ending it is. to the character Ratchet. Yeah. Well, yeah. knowing uh, there's all that all that backstory. Mm-hmm. It's all, everything that Ratchet did in the mad, in the end, you're a, you're a sled. Right. <laughs> and, and we're just going to execute you. <laughs> yeah. It's like a bad Coney Island ride or something. Poor fella. Right. Jeez. So you had some issue with the Grimlock, and I think Scorponok mm-hmm. kind of shows up at the end as well, in the end of this trade. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, it's tempered knowing that that's going to continue on, but it... Mm-hmm. They, they as put, a self-contained trade, 
Right. If you're just reading this alone, mm-hmm. and that's all we're doing at this point. Yeah, it, it's almost like a, just a disruptive teaser. Uh, they went into it so little. Right. Um, it just seemed like such tiny, tiny dips out. It was like, and now take your brain away from that whole Optimus Prime Megatron thing for a mm-hmm. second. And here's Grimlock in a ship. Right. And now back to our program. You know, And, and, and it, now yeah. he's shackled up by yeah. Scorponok, right. whom if you stopped collecting during the Headmaster's reign... <laughs> You probably don't know a heck of a lot about. Um, are you familiar with Scorponok's character at all? Um, I'm familiar with him as far as knowing he's supposedly this massive, you know, I mean, he's a city-scaled scorpion. Mm-hmm. And when he transforms into a robot, his head is made up of this evil Nebulon guy. Right. What was the Nebulon guy's name? Uh, Lord Zarek? Yes, Lord Zarek. Thank you, memory. Well done. <laughs> Thank you, internal Google. <laughs> Well done. Uh, yeah, I because yeah that we also know that character from our cartoon knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we read the we watched the uh, last three episodes, I believe. Yeah, the the introduction of the headmasters there, um, Lord Zarak, whom and I'm a big voice actor guy. I remember his voice uh, was played by the guy that played Lex Luthor in the old Challenge of the Super Friends. Wow. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, he had a pretty distinctive voice. Yeah. Sort of this very like, yes. <laughs> well, Bizarro, I hear you have a plan to turn everyone into Bizarros. <laughs> mm, yes, good idea. <laughs> Wait, doesn't that mean it's a bad idea? <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, um, and and I think, I, yeah, I did mention this in the monologue too, where. The reason why Grimlock can't transform and he's now on this mission of transforming is because what they've set up previously, which was he's going to be a uh, an action master, which was the toy that couldn't transform, but they had accessories. So they basically tried to make the Transformers into G.I. Joe. They tried to make them action figures. And so Bumblebee had his little helicopter backpack and he looked more like the cartoon, but he couldn't transform. Mm. Um, Grimlock, something similar, and uh, I can't believe they would do that to the transformer that turns into a Tyrannosaurus right. Rex. <laughs> it's the, the the most marketable. <laughs> no, it's a dinosaur. Kids love dinosaurs. <laughs> now he can't transform, <laughs> but boy, does he have a nice swanky gun. Yeah, I mean, he's a robot. <laughs> not not as not as if you have twenty other robots on your shelf, right? And no. T-Rexes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was just a bad move, in my opinion. So we'll backtrack to early in the story, mm-hmm. where there are Decepticons who have been living in hiding because they've lost. Right, they've yeah. They've lost a, the war. They're a curious bunch. Yeah, So, uh, and basically at this point, Soundwave is in charge, which you really don't see. Right, Soundwave. Soundwave, he's, he's actually, um, like if I had to give a prize for henchmen. Right. <laughs> He would be like one of my number one blue blue ribbon henchmen. Seriously, like he can he can produce, and also he's super loyal. Super loyal, yeah. Always, always results, results, results. Mm-hmm. He's he's there. He's the trustworthy henchman. So right. it's weird to see him in a position of leadership, and everyone's answering to him. Yeah, right. Exactly. So um, out of character. So it's an almost an interesting character um, evolution for Soundwave. in reading his dialogue, it didn't seem like I could translate it into the cartoon 
delivery. Mm-hmm. Like it was a lot of words, and boy, that would be annoying if all that dialogue were said <laughs> in the sharp and flat yeah. <laughs> delivery of the monotone mm-hmm. uh, sound wave. Yeah, he was a man of few words. Right, because you didn't want to listen to him talk that no, long. No, Because eventually he would just get so low. <laughs> <laughs> and then it have to be like this, and I'm going lo- What? What are you saying, Sally? I'm still talking. <laughs> Only Blaster can hear you now. <laughs> um, but in this, we... As as people who certainly weren't familiar with the Pretenders line, because I was done with Transformers by the time I started seeing those Pretender commercials. I heard of them. The Pretenders. Okay, so reminding you of the Pretenders toy line was basically you had Transformers who were covered in a uh, rubberized plastic shell. Oh, oh, I'm so sad to say I own one. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was one of those, kind of like what you said earlier, like, oh, I bet Adam would like this for Christmas. Oh, you like Transformers. Yeah, yeah, I have a Pretender, and I don't have the heart to throw it away because I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a collector. Does it have the outer shell and everything? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a guy in, like, a shark suit. Okay. It's the shark, it's the aqua knot one. (laughs) And then you open him up, and he's, like, a poor-quality robot that doesn't transform. Oh, brother. Now, now I did find out from, and I had to research this, I did find out that there were, in fact, pretenders that did transform. Mm-hmm. So the outer shell, of course, was basically a, a paperweight. I mean, it didn't right. do anything. Yeah. But inside, there was a transformable robot, i.e. Bludgeon. Okay. Who we see here. I believe he transforms into a tank. And Dreadwing, who is mentioned as an, and is currently in captivity when the story takes place. Dreadwing. Dreadwing. Um, and later incarnations you see in other cartoons. Right. Transformers um, Prime. Transformers Dreadwing. Prime. There's a Dreadwing. Mm-hmm. I believe Dreadwing in Pretenders was, in fact, the Pretenders leader of the Decepticons. Okay. Bludgeon was the uh, almost a Starscream-esque I'm leader, but sometimes not mm-hmm. uh, insidious, very, very insane, uh, evil character. Um, so Bludgeon in this story is seeing that vacuum of leadership and trying to take over, i.e. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Soundwave's leadership. And clearly Soundwave doesn't really want to be leader because he's never meant for that. Right. And Bludgeon's like, I'll take over. Okay. By the way, Soundwave, this is what we're going to do. That's what he's doing in this. Uh, Again, thank you, Google. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, see, that explains a lot with the whole Pretenders line, why Bludgeon looks like he does. Right, because he looks nothing like a robot. No. He looks like a skeleton samurai. Mm -hmm. And it's like you're reading this going, why is there a skeleton samurai fighting against Cup? Yeah, I'm just thinking, wow, I missed a few issues. Right. What is this about? Okay, that makes sense. Um, So, yeah, he is a Pretender. Um, Obviously, in the comic book and cartoon world you wouldn't have someone taking off some rubberized clothing mm-hmm. i think that's a hologram okay maybe maybe i'm not sure uh but clearly their form is non-robotic in appearance mm-hmm. right so you got bludgeon and then you've got Soundwave. let's see uh so wait wait where was bludgeon he was was he was he physically on cybertron with Soundwave? i believe he was yeah or at least they're communicating of some sort i believe because bludgeon was the one who was kind of feeding Soundwave this idea of the weapon Mm -hmm. satellite crack a doom yeah (laughs) 
Was that the sound effects? <laughs> that was the, that was the <laughs> yeah, that was the Batman blitz when they blow up the uh, the last Autobot. Crackadoon. And as someone who didn't read when that statue was created, it doesn't really matter a heck of a lot, but it sounds like that that was the token of the war is over. Yeah, that was. I, I this is that's the one new of the, golden age of Cybertron. That was one of the um, uh, Adam Adam's Wikipedia jaunts. Mm. Uh, when I, you know, when I was reading this, I was like, okay, last Autobot. What the heck is that? Right. I missed that chapter. Last so. Autobot is hardly an Autobot at all. It's just some statue we built. I, I right? got the impression. No, it's Did a, it do it's something. A, no, it's an actual Autobot. I, oh, I believe. Then why does it just stand there for? He's just a, you know, hanging out, showing. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. I it's, hope I'm not wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they discovered the last Autobot, and it was it is a it is an Autobot. Okay. Uh, maybe he's not functional anymore, or it just seemed like he was just standing there, just and, hanging out, and he never did anything. But I do remember reading somewhere like, like he was supposed to be some sort of a protector. Yeah. Like he's like really powerful, and he could protect everyone. Yeah. They found him deep in Cybertron. Right. At some point. Yeah. So. Oh, and and not related to this story, I, I just want to go into a little bit about the center of Cybertron because um, Hot Rod does go into the center of Cybertron, not in the story, but it, it happens later. Um, this, and I'm opening up, bear with me. Okay. I'm opening up to multiple Take me on a journey. Here we go. Take me on a journey. All right. So uh, we know Unicron. Unicron, you know, evil robot planet eating robot harbinger of doom right uh he had a nemesis named primus right primus as the legend goes uh was not only basically the father of all the transformers the first transformer in a sense but he was also cybertron like he is the equivalent of unicron he is basically when cybertron could transform into primus oh the soul of Primus is in Cybertron. The soul of Unicron, of course, is in Unicron. So these okay. are both big robotic planets that can transform, and they would duke it out. And one was good, and one was evil. And of course, because they love to have evil always triumphing over good, <laughs> like they do in the, the animated movie. Right. <laughs> so, Very much they, they came so, out on top, right. even in their loss. Right. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so Primus turns into a immobile, uh, not conscious planet. Well, Unicron runs around eating planets. Uh, I think as of that time, and, you know, depending on what continuity you're subscribing to, but as of that time, Primus was no longer either conscious or he's existing on a different plane. But at some point in the past, he was Cybertron and Cybertron would transform into this enormous robot named Primus. Um, So then you go into different continuities um, Beast Wars, later Beast Machines, claims that the center of Cybertron was organic originally, and then I guess it got terraformed and roboticized, and, and so like they go into the center of the core, and it's all organic in the very center, and they try to pursue a more organic direction with the thing, which I found icky. <laughs> As far as the whole... Sounds very Earth Day. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, no, nothing wrong with Earth Day, but it's not very Cybertronian. Exactly. And th- from the first line of the original cartoons, like, life, not as we know it. Yeah. But where robots are alive. <laughs> you do a good <laughs> job par- of that guy. To paraphrase. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, like, I always, I always thought the whole cool thing about the Transformers, like, they really are characters who are alive... 
and and we don't owe it to an organic core Mm -hmm. um but later on we see hot rod having his his moment of destiny where he finds some sort of life near the core of cybertron I'm so going off topic here. No, that's okay. This is a fascinating one because <laughs> I'm starting to realize if you follow if you follow that mythos, then the Transformers were essentially like bacteria on Primus oh. that evolved. You know, that's a good point. And decreed like they're just parasites. <laughs> like, right. I'm assuming you know when so, millions of years ago when Primus had like an itch. Mm-hmm. When he had an itch, he's just scratching. It's like a bunch of Transformers running around transforming their you know. <laughs> or are they symbiotic? Oh, like that's maybe true. Maybe they're defending him. That's true. From Unicron. From Unicron. They do so. They yep, succeed and they do. in the movie. They do. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And Cybertron itself becomes like the center plot point. Basically, Cybertron is completely unexplored, despite the fact that the sentient beings have lived there for millions and millions of years. Right. I mean, how many, like, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are tons of comic book plots, as well as many, many animated you know, cartoon series plots that revolve around, hey, there's this room in Cybertron where this awesome thing is that we just learned about. <laughs> right. You know? Where all life is created as we know it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like, we should have been using this a long time ago. Yeah, wow. hey, exactly. We'll just use it for this combiner robot. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, Cybertron mm-hmm. itself is a pretty awesome plot point that's used again and again, sometimes well, sometimes not so well. Right. Hey, since we're doing this, mm-hmm. since this is expanding beyond the, the the one trade, we can we can discuss uh, the cartoon. Yes, as well. Right. And one of my favorite, one of my very favorite um, disconnects in the, in the continuity, which was simply asked by this question, which of course is, did the Constructicons create Megatron, or did the did Megatron create? <laughs> the Constructicons. Okay. Okay. So when the Constructicons are first introduced in the cartoon, Heavy Metal War, boom, dropping titles for Ooh. you. Heavy Metal War. You can look it up on Netflix. Okay. The Constructicons are introduced. Megatron says they were worth the time we invested in that cave building them. That's, that's right. what he says. He says we built the Constructicons. Mm-hmm. Then I think in season two. The Secret of Omega Supreme. I believe so. Um, in that, that is where Omega Supreme reveals that they were his old friends on Cybertron. Right. When he was a guardian robot and Megatron used the robot smasher. The robo smasher. Robo smasher. Thank you. Full circle. To, uh, make them evil. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, Omega Supreme thought he could convert them back to good, which Optimus Prime says, no victim of the Robo Smasher could ever be undone. Right. That was that was the lesson learned in right. that. So Megatron made them evil back on Cybertron, clearly before they landed on Earth. Go to season three. The creation of Megatron is described, I think, in the Autobot Matrix of Leadership when oh. Hot Rod's going on a little mental journey through time. A little a little uh little hallucination little trip little trip little mental trip Mm -hmm. and he sees the creation of megatron he sits up for the very first time on a slab in some deep recesses of the decepticon uh, rebellion and here's their new leader but oh lo and behold who built megatron no were yes the constructicons (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow. So how do we justify <laughs> all of this? So if we <laughs> clearly they're they're retconning each subsequent season. Mm-hmm. So and I think fans have attempted to do this. I think the the attempt is okay. Okay, Constructicons did create Megatron, but the Constructicons were still good, and they were were still working with Omega Supreme, mm-hmm. and then they didn't realize Megatron was so evil. So anyway, Oops. Megatron turns the Constructicons evil. And Which took a lot of time. Took a lot of time. He makes the Robo Smasher. Mm-hmm. And then on Earth, maybe mm-hmm. they got all smashed up on the crash landing of the Ark and the Nemesis. Mm. The Nemesis is the Decepticons right. ship of choice. And then Megatron rebuilt them in right. the cave. And that's how we get that in season one. Oh, man. But that is some really stretchy that's, red continuity there for you. That's that's some leaps. And for anyone who didn't care, <laughs> I apologize. Sorry for those few minutes of but your But that's life. for me who really had to delve deep into Transformers continuity personally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's actually The Secret of Omega Supreme is my favorite episode. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that's a cool episode because it's yeah, it's one of those episodes that does delve into the old days of Cybertron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talk about that. And uh, actually, I mean, Omega Supreme is one of, one of my favorite Transformers. Oh, yeah. And you only see him in like tiny glimpses mm-hmm. in a few episodes. There's a few. Yeah. He was particularly prominent in season two. Yeah, because he was a rocket ship. And yes. they were in space a and, lot. And if you didn't have Cosmos. Right. <laughs> Cosmos was not realistically big enough to no. carry people like Prime and others. He was a good size. You had to go to Omega Supreme. Yeah. And and then he suffered from the same thing that Prime suffers from, which is when Prime transforms to and fro on Cybertron and Earth, mm-hmm. his trailer comes from nowhere. Yeah. Same thing with Omega Supreme. Oh, yeah. He's his- a rocket ship, lands, big cloud of smoke clears <laughs> and a, there's the tank the base and the railroad that goes around it <laughs> yeah so i remember watching the movie okay and and get this right now did you see the movie in the theater yeah okay so you probably had the same thought as, as i did because when the movie came out like and and suddenly the constructicons merge to form devastator mm-hmm and they're they're like the the Autobots are just crapping their pants, right? Because they've got nothing for that. And I'm like, you have Omega Supreme, you yeah. have Superion, you mm-hmm. have you, where's Skyfire? Like, yeah, where are these people? And like, apparently, okay, not so much Skyfire because he was introduced by season one, but um, the Transformers movie was made during season one. Mm-hmm. So yes, you had these later third season toys. And characters in Transformers the movie, but pretty much everyone who was introduced in season two, like the aerial bots and mm-hmm. and and anyone else, they were not known to the animators and writers yeah. of Transformers the movie. Yeah, so that's why the Autobots basically had no answer for Devastator. Yeah, that was kind of weird. And actually, when does Omega Supreme first show up? He shows up in season two. Season two is his first. Right. So since this movie was basically written either midway through season one, clearly before season two, Mm -hmm. you don't have anyone who was in season two 
in the movie. So yeah, Omega Supreme is not a factor mm-hmm. in the movie at all. But Dinobots, they this, okay, that's why Dinobots the, were introduced in season one. And actually, in, and in season one, that's how the Autobots usually deal with Devastator is they send in the Dinobots. Right, and that's what they did in the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so they just kind of discarded all those other answers, which is too bad. I've always wanted to see Omega Supreme go against Devastator. I think it'd be a one-sided fight. Didn't they? I don't think I don't think or, Omega ever went against Devastator. It was just that episode, but they had to fight in that episode that you mentioned, The Secret of Omega Supreme. Like, wasn't his uh, whole deal is he had to deal with... Oh, not, you're right. No, you're yeah. absolutely... Yeah, he had to deal with not being able to deal with his old friend, and then he's and Omega's, uh, Optimus Prime's like, I need you to deal with your old friend. Yeah. And so he finally puts his old issues to, to bed. That's right. Now I need to go rewatch that. I forget how it ends. Oh, hang on a second. I know in that episode, I believe the aerial bots are in it. <sighs> if not, there was an episode where the aerial bots are in the form of Superion. They're going toe to toe with one of the big robots. It mm-hmm. might have been Devastator. Probably Bru- wasn't Bruticus. It the... could have been Bruticus, but it, 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 at some point. Superion shouts out Omega's name because Omega finally huh. comes to town and, and helps out Superion. Right. I do remember Superion in his very high-pitched Frank Welker <laughs> scream <laughs> saying, Omega! <laughs> I do remember this. So, yes. I just want to point out that if you have... Um, you remember how when you bought the Transformer toys, they would come with a little bar graph of strength and all the, this? The tech specs. The tech specs? Yes. Omega Supreme had twice as much like tonnage lifting power mm. than Metroplex. Really? Uh-huh. That's interesting that they even lef- listed their metric lifting power. Yeah, they do. They, yeah. They're like, okay. he could lift 300,000 tons. Lord, okay. This Omega, is Omega or Omega? Okay, he was like, you can look. I, I mean, I, I actually want, now I want to do this research project. Mm-hmm, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Omega Supreme was the strongest, like as far as detail specked out. He right. was the strongest Transformer hands down. Interesting, I didn't know that. And even yeah. beyond maybe Fortress Maximus. Um, that's a good question. Fortress Maximus might have been tougher because he was mm-hmm. even bigger. But well, you know, now that I think about it, Omega Supreme's toy was probably bigger than Metroplex, wasn't he? Uh, he stands taller, yeah. Huh. Okay. They're actually standing next to each other on my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, Omega's taller. Right. Um. Yeah. So that's why I always thought, geez, I want to see them get into a fight because it was actually <laughs> Metroplex and Omega. Yeah, they're just upset, roommate issues, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's my side of the mountain. But um. Yeah, I remember this specifically said on his text on the box. It said, can shatter a mountainside with a single blow. That was Omega? Omega, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so I don't know. I always just wondered why they didn't just, you know, just hang out with him all the time. All the Autobots would just hang out with Omega Supreme right. all the time. Always. Yeah. Like, why is he ever not around? Yeah, what's he doing with his time? Yeah, <laughs> and like, they're like, how are we going to bring down Megatron? Maybe we should call Omega Supreme. Where'd he go anyway? He ran out for milk. I don't He's know. He's sulking. He's sulking. He's always sulking. That's what I loved about the secret of Omega Supreme. It mm-hmm. starts out where they need him, mm-hmm. and Optimus Prime goes out into the forest, and it turns into this fireside chat. Like mm-hmm. it, if you recall, Optimus Prime actually sits down like cross-legged or something <laughs> in the in the trees, mm-hmm. and he's like, "All right, I will tell you the story only once." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
just this once. That's right. And also, that's why he he has that weird way of talking. Mm-hmm. It's like, situation, critical. Like, yeah. He'll always speak with a colon after his <laughs> statement. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. And so it's like, that happened as a result of the Devastator attack on uh, Cybertron that messed up his Right. The Robo Smasher actually got oh, him. Oh, that's right. The Robo Smasher messed up his speech pattern. Yep. <laughs> that's what happened. Okay. It's starting to come back to me. He was fighting Devastator. Yeah. Yeah, because the Constructicons, okay, according to that episode, couldn't originally merge. Mm-hmm. So in order to combat Me- Omega right. Supreme, Megatron gave them the combining yes. power. Yes, And that's when they surprised him. Devastator cornered him. Mm-hmm. Megatron dropped the Robo Smash around to his head, and it got into the back of his head. Yes. Yeah. And that's what messed him up. That's what took away his emotion. Yeah. Yeah, because hmm. he used to be a friendly dude. Mm-hmm. In the what was it the Crystal City? The, yeah, the yeah the Crystal City, I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which which looked out of place on Cybertron. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't look right at all. That's where they got all their memory storage <laughs> crystals. <laughs> oh, we build watches here. <laughs> hey, we're computers. We need these. <laughs> Come on. What do you think? Uh, it's too bad there wasn't a. <laughs> A what? A tra- it's too bad there wasn't a transformer that transformed into a bull. <laughs> a bull? <laughs> to put, uh, oh, that'd be a china shop, not a crystal shop. <laughs> oh, jeez. A crystal bow or a vase. Or a vase, yeah. For holding your flowers. Right. Oh, man. So, anyway, back to Cybertron. Is it going all the way back? So, we were talking about the gang of Decepticons on Cybertron led by Soundwave. Oh, we're, we're going back to the story that we were reviewing. <laughs> yes, we could do that. Uh, well, I, I mean, we don't pretty much come to a closing point on. I just thought that was interesting. Like, I was, uh, well, So they were just hanging out, being really, you know, stick in the muds about this whole peace treaty the whole time. I, I, did, it, did the book mention how long the peace treaty had been in effect? I don't think so. Because that's something that I wasn't sure about. Like, how long had Soundwave and, you know, the mm-hmm. gang just been brooding just been in their stewing. own? Yeah. Yeah. Do, doing whatever they do, going to work. I don't know. Um, this, you know, is clearly influenced by real world historical stuff. I mean, it seems like the World War II rise of Germany mm-hmm. um, is often the blueprint for a lot of these things so right. like the the uh treaty armistice uh, the treaty at versailles um which was really german people felt very um rep- repressed and treated unfairly and they were suffering economically and people were just devastated because of the economy mm-hmm. stewing saying like we were once great we can't live like this and that's what right. led to a character like Hitler saying you don't have to live like this and then you mm-hmm. know leading what what of course became World War II uh, and even the horrible atrocities that happened through Nazism mm-hmm. um, so this is something similar it's the Decepticons were once great you know yeah. despite being wrong right just like Germany was wrong for what they did in World War One, mm-hmm. um, but despite being wrong, they still felt we we're we're so powerful. Why are we subjugated to living in the in the muck and mire? Right. Um, so that clearly 
got boiled to a head. Yes, and so then there were little terrorist attacks, a major terrorist attack, which right. you have a, a uh, almost nuclear level weapon yeah. used on Cybertron and destroying a symbol of peace, mm-hmm. almost 9-11-like, mm-hmm. where you see a very tall structure being destroyed. Um, I, I found the whole thing pretty pretty interesting, pretty well told. Um it, it does suffer from being a periodical, right? Because at the end, as you mentioned, there's some loose ends that aren't tied up. Right, right. You know, yeah, we don't go back to them. It's not a self-contained story. Yeah, it's not a self-contained story either from the beginning or the end because it's picking mm-hmm. up where other stories left off and it's leaving stuff undone for other stories to resolve later on to try to keep you coming back every month. Right. But as far as how the characters are treated and... You can you can bet we clearly know <laughs> where these characters come from from our cartoon trivia. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how did you feel how the the characters were written as a whole? I think they were yeah they definitely stepped out of you know uh, for for some that were consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I kind of felt like Hot Rod was kind of consistent. He was always sort of the mm-hmm. subservient sidekick guy, you know, right, right. up until he became Rodimus Prime. But then, you know, sure. so he's redowngraded. So he's one of those characters that are consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, Cup, consistent, mm-hmm. you know, like right. that. that's good old Cup. But then, you know, like like when I was talking about how Optimus Prime becomes a sort of very, you know, passive you know, even more than normal. It's like that, that. That's a change of character, but it's a sensible evolution. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just getting old and tired and, you know, but he's just no more fighting. Right. You know, so you see that evolution. And then, of course, he flips coin completely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Grimlock's storyline is in, is interesting. I can't wait to read more about that. Mm-hmm. So I think what they're doing with the characters is very... Um, there's no huge crazy jumps that I saw that made me think, whoa, the, whoever wrote this didn't know anything. Right. You know, I didn't have any moments like that. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I enjoy it. I definitely recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as recommending it to someone who is not a comic book reader, I feel if you're a fan of Transformers... This is something to read. It is current. It appeals to a lot of Transformers fans, a lot of continuity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I recommend it. Adam, how do you how do you you're a non comic book reader? I too, am a non so. yeah, yeah. I I'm So I, you seem to like it. I really did. Yeah. Yeah, dug my teeth into it. Um it got me excited to go research some things that now I know a little bit more about. Now I want to go buy more. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for adding us to your long list of podcasts, and we hope that you can hear from us again. Thank you.